is going to win the NBA championship this year? And who's going to win finals MVP? Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis, finals MVP. Celtics, J Jason Tatum, finals MVP. Warriors, Curry, finals MVP. Bucks, and Giannis for the MVP. Kings, Fox, finals MVP. Sixers, Embiid, finals MVP. And I think the Clippers, with Kawhi Leonard as the finals MVP. But I guess we won't really know until the real deal actually happens. Until then, the best thing we can do is break down every single team's chances at winning the title. My name is Yash Parikh, and I'm your host for the NBA's Big 30. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the NBA's Big 30. I'm your host, Yash Parikh, and I hope you're having a great day today. Today, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, former home of the GOAT, in my opinion, LeBron James. Let's go through this top-loaded roster first, and then we'll get into the little nitty-gritty details of this team. Next, we'll be talking about the team as a whole and their strengths and weaknesses. After that, we'll go over the Cavs' biggest Eastern Conference foes and their finals opponents. Let's jump right in. Donovan Spider Mitchell is on a heater right now. In his last four games at the time of this recording, Mitchell has averaged 42.3 points per game. Earlier this season, he also had a 71-point game, tied with Damian Lillard for the most in a game this season. Yes, there were two players with 71. Donovan was recently selected for his fourth career All-Star game with averages of 28.3 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game, and 4.4 assists per game. It's just also important to know that in Mitchell's 71-point game, he also dished 11 assists and 8 rebounds, just shy of a triple-double. Although Mitchell is quite undersized for a shooting guard, standing at 6'2", he makes up for it through his supreme athleticism and strength. He also has decent enough defense and shoots very well from three and the field. Any questions about Mitchell folding in the clutch should be expelled as he is easily a top 10 scorer in the fourth quarter. As a rookie, he was compared to another shooting guard, Norman Powell. However, he's far surpassed that mark, and he now looks like a bit shorter, prime Derrick Rose with better shooting and playing the two. Darius Garland is having a down season by his means, as the star point guard was an all-star last year, but not this year. He's averaging 21.6 points per game, 7.8 assists per game, and 2.7 rebounds per game. Garland is also understized, standing at a small 6'1", only 6, without shoes. He doesn't make up for it, however, and his main strengths revolve around scoring and playmaking. Garland also plays pretty good defense, at least better than Donovan Mitchell does. Although he lacks strength, he has really good handles, consistently busting out a shake-and-bake move or a hezzy. Garland is looking like a prime Mo Williams or a prime Jamal Crawford in terms of his handles, but in terms of overall game, there are lots of different point guards you can compare him to, even Luka Doncic, who's also almost just as young as Garland. Jarrett Allen, just like Garland, was an all-star last year, but not this year. Although I don't agree with this selection last year, the reason Allen was an all-star last year is due to supreme rebounding. And the reason Garland was snubbed this year, Garland, not Allen, Allen wasn't a snub this year. 
could be because of his limited scoring opportunities with Donovan Mitchell around. Anyways, let's get back to Jared Allen. Allen also joins his teammate in the undersized club, standing at 6'9 as a center. He doesn't let that stop him from grabbing boards over taller players, though. And just because his opponent is 7 foot, it doesn't mean anything to him. Allen also plays great interior defense. Even though he hasn't been selected to any all-defense teams yet, he sure will, as he averages so many blocks per game that I can't even keep count anymore. Evan Mobley is an absolute stud. I repeat, stud. Standing at 6'11 at the power forward spot, Mobley is one of the top sophomores in the league. He can do everything, ranging from shooting to three to finishing in the post. He's a definition of a modern big man, a do-it-all with a silky shooting touch. Mobley is a little bit skinny, however, and that may need to be addressed as his career moves on down the line. Evan Mobley is like a cross between Giannis and Kevin Garnett. He has the playmaking abilities of Giannis and the shooting abilities of Giannis and the skinniness of a rookie Giannis, but also the finishing of a Kevin Garnett, the brutality of Kevin Garnett, with the rest of his skills hovering somewhere in between. Cleveland, they're mainly a top-loaded team, sporting Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert at the three. They also have a semi-deep roster with the likes of Dean Wade, C.D. Osman, Ricky Rubio, Lamar Stevens, and more. As a team, Cleveland's defense is at the top of the NBA, at the pinnacle of the NBA, holding their opponents to only 107.1 points per game as a team. They're currently fourth in the Eastern Conference, have decent spacing and shooting, great finishing, and more. What more could you ask for? Wait, I have it. Depth. Cleveland just doesn't have the depth of teams like Bucks, Celtics, and the Nuggets, and that'll make it more difficult for them to compete with them. I think that Cleveland has a great potential to go further in these playoffs than they have since LeBron James was here. I do definitely think that they have the potential to make the Eastern Conference Finals, but in order to do so, they'll have to go through many foes along the way. Let's start with the New York Knicks, who are probably going to be Cleveland's first round playoff matchup unless something drastic happens within the next half week. If this was two months earlier, I would easily bet on Cleveland in a heartbeat, but now I'm not so sure. The Cavs need to be more cohesive and work better together, especially their bench unit. The Knicks bench unit has really found themselves, sporting players like Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, the potential sixth man of the year, and Isaiah Hartenstein, plus more. The Cavs could just as easily win this series though, and I'm not sure which way to go, but I'm going Cavs in seven, in a double overtime thriller, which the Knicks have plenty of experience in. Now, another problem they could run into would be the Boston Celtics. Yes, the Celtics are deeper, they're better shooters, but I'm saying this primarily for one reason. Jason Tatum. He would absolutely cook Isaac Okoro at the three position, and he would average 40 for this series. I'm calling it now. I'm saying the Celtics take this one and six, but you never know. Miracles could happen. The third and final Eastern Conference challenge I'd like to mention, and you know I couldn't stay away from them for long, the Milwaukee Bucks. Do I really need to explain this one again? They have depth, shooting, defense, handles, playmaking, great nicknames, and Giannis. I'm taking the Bucks in six on this one. Cleveland's inexperienced frontcourt doesn't really stand much of a chance against Giannis and Brooke Lopez, but only time will tell. Maybe five years into the future, Brooke Lopez is retired, Giannis is 
almost at the end of his prime, Evan Mobley is just reaching his prime, and Jared Allen is splat in the middle of his prime. Now, let's talk about potential finals matchups. If the Cavs do make the finals, which I doubt, but it could happen, who would they go up against that would cause them the most problems? Let's start off with both teams of Los Angeles, the Lakers and the Clippers. Both have great wings in Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. This is what I'm about to call the Isaac Okoro effect, which is Isaac Okoro gets absolutely cooked by more experienced veteran wings who can destroy him in the post, play defense on him, and shoot right over him. The Clippers have depth, and the Lakers, not as much. If this was the Clippers versus Cleveland, I'm taking the Clippers in 7. But let's have a deeper look at LeBron James and the Lakers. LeBron will not let his legacy be tarnished by losing a finals matchup to Cleveland. Yet, it just might happen. I'm taking Cleveland in 7 using the excuse of depth, and that the final game is going to be a real tight one, without a doubt. If it's played in Cleveland, LeBron will be booed the entire game. I do think that the Lakers would put up a good fight. Another finals matchup would be the Golden State Warriors. I know this whole legacy thing is getting boring, but it's true. Golden State owns, absolutely owns Cleveland no matter who's on the team unless they're up 3-1, in which case they will miserably lose in 7 to an Evan Mobley chase down block and a Donovan Mitchell fadeaway 3-pointer. Anyways, forget all of that. I'll be taking Golden State in 6. And the last finals matchup I'm mentioning here is the Phoenix Suns. To me, this matchup would be honestly hilarious. The teams are almost duplicates of each other, some parts better than others. They both have weak small forwards, and in my opinion, Cleveland has better guards, but Phoenix, they have a better front court, including Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton. I'm taking Phoenix in six, but I would definitely watch that one. everybody for all of my friends who've decided to stick around till the end i've got a little surprise segment for you who here likes potential trades because i i sure do i'm really loving this trade for the Cavs, which i just came across and if they do it in the offseason they could get over that small forward hump boyan bogdanovic from the pistons to the Cavs for isaac okoro and cd usman for two first round picks this is a great trade for cleveland and they should seriously consider it Bogdanovic is a great small forward. He plays the position nearly perfectly and would probably be a multiple-time all-star if he wasn't hampered by injuries and in Detroit for a lot of time. He's on a fat contract too, and that's for a good reason. Bogdanovic's also averaging over 20 points per game, and he's the veteran presence and is leading Detroit through these tough times. Now, Isaac Okoro, we already talked about him. I think he's a great player, but at the end of the day, he just can't keep up with other small forwards in the league right now. And Sidi Osman, well, he hasn't done too much, except for posterize a few people. The two first round picks shouldn't really matter as much to Cleveland. If they're going to be good in the upcoming years with Bogdanovic, the first round picks won't be worth as much. This is a great trade for Cleveland, and again, they should seriously consider it. Well, that's all for today's episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next time on the NBA's Big 30. P.S. There will be more special segments coming soon.